Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. The outline of this message, speaker, message title, and series can be found in the show notes or the details page. Be sure to check us out on Facebook or on our church website at Bethlehem505.com. And now, here is the message. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jim. If you did not know that, um, I am glad to be here. This is a, probably the third time I've been here since uh, um, I've shifted my position from the Hillsborough Church of Christ. When Tom told me he was going on vacation, he said he was jumping into a series um, on the image of God, that we all bear the image of God, and that has different uh, ramifications and implications on our life in different areas. And this Sunday um, was supposed to be this... this um, discussion of how the image of God impacts our pursuit of holiness, our pursuit of Christ-likeness, and why that is so. All through, all through Scripture, we, we hear that holiness is a requirement of God's people, Old Testament and New, although the means of acquiring that seemed to have shifted from the old to the new. Actually, it didn't, but man's perception of how that was acquired tended to shift. But Scripture says it's clear that without holiness, no one will see God. And how that is connected to the image of God is this. Peter reminds us of the Old Testament command that we are to be holy because God is holy. And the connection is the image of God that we bear. The reason we are to be holy is because we are image bearers. But in practical application, what does that look like? What does that demand? There are a number of places we could go in Scripture to see what that would look like and pieces of it. But I believe that one of the clearest examples of what holiness looks like is in this simple letter that is given to us by James, the half-brother of Jesus, of the early church um, in Jerusalem. Now, when letters were given back then, they were often given uh, to churches in a general region. I think this was the case here because James is, is speaking specifically to scattered Jews. And so when this letter would come as a circular letter, it would go to this church, that church, that church, and that church as a letter. And it would be read as a letter. It would be presented to the congregation in its entirety as a letter. The way you and I tend to process Scripture in the corporate gathering is this. Let's look at the book of James over the next series of weeks, five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks. And uh, let's break it apart piece by piece, verse by verse, and see what that means and just exegete this thing as far out as we possibly can and make application to our life. And I'm not saying that is wrong. I think that is wise and healthy and good. And I believe that the early church probably did that as well, but not on the first Sunday. They were given the letter in its entirety. So when Tom asked me to speak to you, I was thinking about the letter of James and how we could look at that letter in its entirety. And we could read it um, just as a letter, the way the early church did. But what happened, what would it be like if... Um, James himself were able to be with us and not 
have a letter read by one of the elders of the church, but himself deliver the message to the church that he was so concerned and deeply in love with and committed to. And so with a little bit of license and liberty, I would like to try to present James just in that manner. So if James were here, he would introduce himself. He says, good morning, church. My name is James. And it is an honor to represent Christ as a servant of God and of Christ my Lord. And I want to bring you greetings, church, you elect of God who have been scattered throughout the world from the time of Christ's resurrection until now. And in light of everything that's going on in our world, the chaos that is there, the pain, the turmoil, the confusion, the violence, the unrelenting godlessness that's around us, the heartache, the challenges, the trials, the brokenness of families and lives, let me encourage you to consider it pure joy whenever you face these kinds of trials. Consider it joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You know that. Perseverance has to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if any of you lacks wisdom, well, he should ask God because God gives generously to everyone who asks. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, just, just blown and tossed by the wind. And that person shouldn't believe he'll receive anything, shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. He's unstable in all he does. So the brother or sister in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who's rich, the one who's rich... Well, he should take pride in his low position because he'll pass away like a wildflower. You know, the sun rises, it rises with scorching heat. It withers the plant. Its blossom falls. And its beauty is destroyed. And in the same way, the rich person will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the person who perseveres under trial, for when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God's promised to those who love him. So when tempted, you know, no one should say, God's tempting me. God cannot be tempted by evil. And nor does he tempt anyone. But each of us, each of us is tempted when by our own evil desires we're dragged away and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. Now, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who doesn't change, he doesn't change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that you and I might be a kind of first fruits of everything that he created. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, everyone 
should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger, human anger, well, it doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. And for this reason, you need to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, don't merely listen to the word. Don't merely listen to it and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I mean, anyone who listens to the word and, and doesn't do what it says is like a man who, who looks at his face in a mirror, after looking at himself, goes away and <laughs> immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Doing it. He is the one who will be blessed in what he does. Now, if anyone considers himself religious, if you consider yourself religious and yet don't Keep a tight rein on your tongue. You deceive yourselves. And your religion is worthless. Religion which God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, as believers in Christ, don't show favoritism. Do not show favoritism. Now, suppose, let's just suppose that a man comes into our meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Well, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, mm, man, here is a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, um, why don't you just stand over there? Or you can sit on the floor by my feet. Haven't you discriminated among yourselves? Haven't you become judges with evil thoughts? Oh, brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love Him? And you've insulted the poor. I mean, isn't it the rich who are exploiting you? Aren't they the ones who are dragging you into court? Aren't, aren't they the ones who are slandering the noble name of Him to whom you belong? Now, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, if you really do that, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, if you show favoritism, you sin. You sin. And you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For God, who said, 
do not murder, also said, do not commit adultery. So if you don't commit murder, but you do commit adultery, you become a lawbreaker. You need to speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. And mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Let me ask you a question. What good is it if a person claims to have faith but doesn't have any deeds? Can such a faith save him? Well, let's, let's suppose again that a brother or sister is without clothes. They're without daily food. Now, if one of you says to that brother or sister, mm, man, I, I wish you well. I pray that you keep warm and I hope you're well fed. I mean, I, I'll be praying for you. But if you don't do anything about their physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And someone's going to say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by what I do. I mean, you believe that there's one God, yes? One God. Good for you. Good for you. You know, even the demons believe that. They shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without works is dead? Well... Wasn't our spiritual ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is justified by what he does. Not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't even Rahab the prostitute, the one you have read about in your Bible studies and in Sunday school class, wasn't she considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Well, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds was dead. Let me give you this warning. Not many of you, brothers, not many of you should presume to be teachers. Why? Well, because those of us who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, we all stumble, all of us, in many ways, but if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. You think about it. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large, they're driven by strong winds. You know, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Likewise, the tongue, the tongue is just a small part of the body. But it makes incredible boasts. I want you to think about what a great forest can be set on fire by just a small spark. Listen, the tongue also is a fire. It is a world of evil among the parts of the body. The tongue corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I mean, all kinds of animals, and birds, creatures of the sea, reptiles, they're being tamed, and they've been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. No one. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. I mean, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Brothers, sisters, this should not be. I mean, can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? I mean, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Well, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I got another question for you. Is there anybody in this room, anybody, who's wise, who has understanding? Well, if so, then you need to demonstrate it. You need to show it by your good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But listen, if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, I mean, don't boast about it. And don't deny the truth. Because such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven. That kind of wisdom is earthly. That kind of wisdom is unspiritual. That kind of wisdom is demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, and then it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial, it's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, there is no perfect church. So have you ever stopped to think what it is that causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, 
Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You know, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Well, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Don't you know that this makes you an adulterous people? For friendship with the world is hatred toward God. And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us yearns intensely to belong to the one who gave it? But he gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I mean, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Just wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I mean, brothers and sisters, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister and judges him speaks against the law and judges it. And when you do this, you're not keeping the law. You're sitting in judgment on it. And there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But listen, who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you, you, you who say today or tomorrow, you know, we're going to go to this or that city, we're going to spend a year there, we're going to carry on business, we're going to make some money. Yeah. Why? You, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, what is your life? Seriously, what is your life? You're a mist. You are just a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. I mean, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live. We will live. And as we have opportunity, do this or that. But as it is, you boast and brag. I'm telling you, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver, they're corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Now look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. And you've condemned 
You've murdered innocent men who weren't opposing you. So you and I, we need to be patient and wait for the Lord's coming. Now, I want you to ponder, and you need to pay attention to how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient, stand firm. The Lord's coming is near. Now, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Above all, don't swear. Do not swear. Do not take oaths, either by heaven or by earth or anything else. Just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no, or you'll be condemned. So, is anyone in trouble? Well, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Anybody happy? Well, you should sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? Well, you should call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Now, Elijah was a man. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like you, just like me. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain on the land for three and one half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, the earth produced his crop. So if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Do not forget this. Whoever turns a sinner, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And in this way, you and I, day by day, moment by moment, can live out holy lives in the presence of our brothers and sisters in a watching world in an honor and glory to the God who gave us life. You know, it was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who made this statement that your life and mine ought to be lived and seen in such a way that the atheists among us have to consider again and question their belief in God. And so as we close this morning, there's just a couple of questions I want to ask you. One is this. Is there evidence in your life of practical, winsome, God-honoring holiness? Is there evidence 
of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that people can see. They've experienced. They've been touched by you in some way because of Christ. You and I need to be growing in those graces and those expressions every single day as we mature in Christ, as perseverance does its work within us to make us holy and complete. And the last question is this. Every single one of us has a next step that we have to take in obedience to Christ. I do not know what that step is for you. If you are outside of Christ, it is a profession of faith that brings you into the family of God and an immersion of your life and a burial with Christ in baptism. If you are already a believer, there may be something that you need to repent of and relinquish and humble yourselves before the Lord over. I do not know what your next step of faith is. Every single one of us has one. If you know what that is, if you know what is being asked of you, Will you take it? Will you take that step? Don't forget. For the person who knows the right thing to do, the step that needs to be taken, and doesn't take it, to him it's sin. You know what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. You know where you need to walk in deeper obedience to Jesus Christ. You know this process of holiness that the Holy Spirit wants to work out within you. Will you submit yourselves and take that step? Because he who knows the right thing to do and does not do it sins. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing together a hymn of decision. Whatever that decision is, Kyle will be here to receive you or take whatever confession needs to be made, but we encourage you, be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's Word and follow His Son, Jesus Christ.